an Influential Generation podcast, episode number one. My name is Gianna, and I'm going to guide us through some really important conversations around tobacco and vaping use in our community from our community members. So our first guest today is Julian, a young man who grew up in the area, and he is going to share with us some of his experiences using both tobacco and vaping products. So Julian, can you please introduce yourself to us all? Yeah, so I'm Julian. I am the lucky soon-to-be husband of Gianna. <laughs> <laughs> yes, maybe an important detail for everyone listening. Um, so I grew up in Clendonald. Up until about grade nine, I did my high school in Vermilion. And afterwards, I did power engineering at Lakeland College here in Lloyd. Mm-hmm. And I am also 25 now. <laughs> An old guy now. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And so you've been around this community for a really long time. And so I'm wondering if you can think back to the first time that you ever used a tobacco product. If you can remember how old you were and kind of what the circumstances were around that situation. Yeah, I think the first time it would have been a cigarette. First time I used one would be on the golf course with my cousin. and <laughs> Your cousin's being exposed. Yes. <laughs> he who shall not be named. I um, think I would have been about 14. So it was kind of just, I, I think at the time I just took like a couple puffs. I was like, oh. This is what a cigarette's like. Mm-hmm, for sure. And so was your cousin 18 at the time, or would your cousin also have been underage? Uh, my cousin was definitely older than me. He was, uh, at the time, he would have been in grade 12, so probably 18. Okay. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, now that we have a bit of a picture in our mind of when young Julian was first exposed to a cigarette, maybe you can just take us on that journey with you Uh, from when you first started using tobacco and just what your experiences with it were? Yeah, so I would say for a couple years, like I I didn't smoke or use tobacco at all besides the occasional um, few puffs that I would have with my cousin, but it it would be a regular occurrence when we went golfing. Um, After that, I probably more so used uh, those... I think they're called bullseye, those grape cigars. And this was 16, 17, when I would occasionally go to um, some high school parties, bush parties, stuff like that. And that was, um, it was normal. Everyone would share a a cigar Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it was uh, the cool thing to do. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting that you frame it like that. It was normal, it was the cool thing to do. So when you think back on those memories, do you feel that there was an expectation that you needed to use these products when you were at those kind of events with your friends? Yeah, I definitely, there was some, uh, some peer pressure going on. I think if there was, before I even tried a single puff, if there was just a pack sitting there, I wouldn't be like, oh, I'm going to try these. Um, I definitely seen like, consequences of what happened but it was cool to do so so I tried it Mm -hmm. yeah so it was more the modeling of behavior 
that drew you in versus I, I like how you describe that. If you just saw a pack sitting there, it wouldn't have enticed you. It wouldn't have created this mystique and interest around it that would have made you want to try using it because I'm not sure if you can remember back to then or not, but do you remember if you had knowledge at that time of what the potential harms of using those kind of products were? Oh, definitely. Like, um, just the, like, physical things it would do to you, like, um, your skin, your mouth, all harm it in that way. Um, and I guess the way I found it was, like, on the packages you have the, the consequences, someone with a oxygen tank on and it it doesn't look fun but yet I still tried it <laughs> yeah absolutely so in the mind of young Julian right he's faced with this situation of knowing hmm this product does present you know the potential for harm but I'm having fun my friends are using it my cousins using it so maybe it's really not that bad maybe I'll just give it a go yeah, exactly. I mean, that was a thought that went through my head is, well, if so many, even though it says this on the packaging, if so many people do it, it can't be that bad. And it's probably just a very, very rare occurrence. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So something that I think might be on the minds of a lot of people when they hear about youth who are using products that legally they shouldn't have access to. So can you share how you were able to get access to these products at that age? Obviously, I wasn't like a heavy smoker or anything, so I'd buy or I would get a pack of those grape cigars and they would last me a couple months or something. But I would ask my older cousin to grab them for me. Um, otherwise, I would be bumming them from friends. But obviously, they're underage too, so they had someone getting it for them too. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So you kind of think the main way that young people are getting access to these products is just from older people in their lives who are comfortable with sharing them. Oh, I would say that's definitely it. Or I guess if a parent actually smokes, you could easily just grab a cigarette or something from their pack too. Yeah, for sure. Sneaking one here or there. Who would notice, right? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, great. So I feel like we have this picture building now of Julian's story from the age of 14 when he first tried a cigarette and then moving through high school, he started to experiment a little bit more with cigars. So moving beyond high school, how did your story continue with um, tobacco and potentially vaping products as well? Yeah, so up until this point, besides the little flavor in the cigars. I wouldn't say the taste of the cigarettes were were good. <laughs> I didn't like the taste at all. So um, I would say it was actually maybe the first two weeks of college that I ended up purchasing a vape. And again, it was because a group of us were doing it. It was actually um, one of my roommates was a smoker and we were just quizzing him about, oh, why do you smoke? You should quit, maybe. There's these vape things that are around now. And um, this is like right when vapes came about. Before that, all you could get was those little cigarettes at uh, a convenience store or something like that. But um, yeah, so we all went. There's like seven of us. We all went 
to the vape store and he got a vape to stop smoking and I guess we all walked out with a vape. So I guess the vape store owner is probably pretty pleased with her, <laughs> with us. So you all went in there together, really just with the intention of getting one for your friend to help him quit smoking. But, you know, just through looking at all of the products that were available, chatting with the store owner, you all kind of ended up deciding it would be a good decision to purchase one as well. Yeah, and at the time, like, first year of college, just ending high school, it was kind of, it was cool to blow clouds. And um, I think another thing that convinced us was they were blowing clouds in there, but the smell of them, they're real candy-like. <laughs> mm -hmm. And for someone that hates cigarettes, like the smell and taste of them, it's like, oh, why not? That's actually kind of cool. So... Yeah, that's so interesting that you bring up that it's the flavors that really attracted you to vapes. And just going back a little bit to your tobacco use, so you mentioned how you hated them, really. I think that was the term you used. You said you hated them, you hated the flavor of them. So what was it that really brought you into using them? You've talked about kind of the social aspect of it. Was there anything else that encouraged you to use tobacco even though you hated them yeah that's a good point actually uh definitely the like nick rush from that first couple puffs there obviously i wouldn't have tried it again if i didn't get anything out of it um but yeah you get that little nick rush you feel a little better you feel excited <laughs> it's fun <laughs> yeah understandable so it was the nicotine rush that kind of helped to overpower the unpleasantness that was associated with smoking that made it more worthwhile to use. Yeah, definitely. And like, that was the one thing that was, was holding me back from like smoking. Cause I didn't see really too much of a problem of actually smoking. So when the flavored vapes came along, I was like, Oh, this is for me. Mm -hmm. So you just mentioned that you didn't really see too much of a problem with smoking, but earlier you, we kind of discussed the knowledge that you had about the potential long-term consequences of it. And so I'm just wondering if the fact that even though you were aware of the long-term consequences, they just felt too far away to actually feel impactful right now. Do you think that had anything to do with it, that there weren't really any tangible, immediate consequences from using cigarettes? Yes, definitely. And also, I didn't see too many people in my immediate vicinity that actually had problems from smoking. In hindsight, I know there's some family members or people I was around that, like, they had that, like, smoker's cough. Mm. <laughs> Um, but I just completely ignored that. But I think it would be more so the addiction side of it that nicotine gives you that rush. So you ignore ignore the consequences to get that, that dopamine <laughs> release. Mm -hmm. And so when you got your first vape, do you know what the nicotine content was? Um, I think it was six milligrams because we, we just gauged it off of uh, my friend's uh, nicotine percentage and I think it was 12. <laughs> so 
So you're like, well, if he's using 12 and he was a heavy smoker, we probably are comfortable in that six range. Yes. Mm -hmm. So once you started using vapes, did you stop using tobacco products or were you using both of them at the same time for a period? Um, no, I, I stopped using tobacco products completely. Um, it was actually, it was kind of just like the thing partying in, in college in the dorms is that like everyone would share a vape and like kind of have fun blowing clouds and all that. And it's a little cringe thinking back on it, but. <laughs> okay, so it sounds like once you started using vapes, more or less you were able to stop using tobacco products. Now I'm just wondering if that was maintainable and if you ever went back to using any tobacco products. Yeah, so I actually, the program was two years. So the first, first year I was vaping and then in between our first and second years we had a practicum. So it was like the first um, working experience in the program. Um, but during that time I could not vape at work. Mm -hmm. um, you had to go to, it was at an oil field plant, so you had to go to the end of the lease or in the designated smoking area, and that was too much of a hassle. So I started uh, chewing tobacco, and when I first started it, I was getting flavored, like the mint or uh, the menthol, I think, was another one I was chewing quite frequently, but that solved the problem that I would have to, to leave work, <laughs> and I could still get that neck rush. That's so interesting. So even though there were kind of these restrictions put in place, you found a way around that. And it seems that when you were using tobacco, it was for the Nick Rush, and then you switched to vaping because it was more pleasant to use, but you could still get the Nick Rush. But then when it came down to it, when you really still needed that Nick Rush and vapes weren't an option anymore, you were able and willing to switch to a product that for many, I think would say is very unpleasant to use in order to maintain getting that Nick Rush while at work. Yeah, and you can actually, like the Nick Rush from chewing tobacco is a, it's a lot stronger and it's longer lasting than just a single hit from a vape or smoking a single cigarette. So that was, uh, <laughs> you get more nicotine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have this pretty big picture building now. And so what's the next steps? Did you continue using chewing tobacco or after you left this job, did you go back to cigarettes or vaping? What happened next? After that practicum, the school year started again. Um, so I, I could have started vaping again, but um, I didn't. I continued to use chewing tobacco and doing so it's actually, there's 80 kids in my program. I would say good percentage, maybe even like 55, 60 out of the, that 80 actually smoked or chewed. So at that point I was like, well, literally everyone's doing it. So why would I quit? And I was, I'd use it when I was studying and I couldn't focus. So I just, oh, I'll just pop a little chew in and I can focus and it did definitely did help but then it came to the point where I always had to chew in mm -hmm. <laughs> which is it's kind of gross okay so it seems like at this point you've been using chewing tobacco for quite a while 
And I'm just wondering if you started to experience any negative effects of using the chewing tobacco for such a long period of time. Yeah, so I guess after that second year of college, I started working and I probably chewed for another year or two. Um, but at that point, I started to have some like receding gum lines and thankfully the gum lines came back, but um, kind of scared me that there was some consequences like that um, from chewing. So um, my decision was then like, oh, you know what? I have some consequences of chewing. Why don't I start smoking? And it's funny that maybe I should have like been like, oh, yeah, I'll start vaping again. But now that I had the actual like chewing tobacco, I enjoyed the, the taste and the smell of tobacco now. And then, so I started smoking for a while. Um, again, then I started getting a smoker's cough and it wasn't too pleasant. And I was always uh, like having to hug up some, some mucus and stuff. It's not too, too great or too pleasant. So at that point I was like, okay, I need to stop using tobacco. Okay, that's so interesting because when we were talking about your use when you were younger, when you were still in high school, the reason you continued using the products was because you didn't see any immediate consequences of using them. But now, as you were getting even just a few years older, suddenly you were being faced with chewing tobacco, starting to hurt your gums, and then cigarettes causing you know, mucus buildup and a smoker's cough. So suddenly you're like, holy smokes, there are actual, real, tangible consequences I'm having to face for using these. And so at that point, that's when you went back to using a vape, which you had previously experimented with a little bit. Yeah, and then I started using a vape again because I was hoping that the consequences of smoking would go away. I started vaping again and just switching from smoking to vaping, I had a little bit of withdrawals and like with that is like really tired, a little irritable, stuff like that. And then the thought popped in my head is like, maybe I'm actually like addicted to nicotine. Like it's not just a temporary thing. So that, when I realized that, I noticed it was different and I actually, that was a big thing. I was like, okay, I need to stop everything altogether. But little did I know, it's a lot harder than <laughs> you think. Mm -hmm. You're bringing up such an interesting perspective on the use of nicotine. And I think it comes to people not being really aware of how addictive it is. I think there's definitely knowledge out there. People understand that nicotine is what makes cigarettes addictive, but I think it's really hard to really grasp until you're dealing with those kind of withdrawal symptoms, how much of an addiction it truly is and how hard it is to deal with. Yeah. Well, like I know previous to that thought, it was more so that like those serious, illegal, illicit drugs are the ones that are very addictive and nicotine's legal, so it can't be that bad. But um, in hindsight, I know why it's so addictive is that you get this really short, high rush, but then it goes away so quick and you want that, that higher level, that higher rush right away. Mm -hmm. And then it just like progresses. So you want more of it and eventually more and more. Mm 
-hmm. Okay, this is really so interesting, Julian, and such a powerful story. So moving on from that, you've started to use vapes again. Keep telling us your story and what the next you know period of your life looked like. Yeah, so vaping was the next progression in my nicotine addiction, I guess. And initially, I tried stopping, like right off the bat. And I think I made it like two days. And then I was like, oh, maybe I just wasn't ready. So I, I was vaping for another month or so. And I was like, okay, now I'm ready to stop. Did the same thing again. So like at this point, I just felt hopeless because every time I would try stopping, just like intense anxiety and depression. Like you didn't want to do anything. You're super irritable. Like everything just makes you mad. And I guess unless you experience that, it just like doesn't make, you don't feel like yourself. I wouldn't have expected that coming from just nicotine. Yeah, that really shows how powerful that drug is and the effects that it can have on you. Yeah, so um, obviously I don't smoke or vape anymore. Um, I haven't for a couple of years now almost. Um, but the last thing that I did is use the Nicorette mitts, mints. Those were a little better because I was like, I won't get any da more damage to my lungs and it'll be easier to quit because there's so many like increments you can use, I guess. But um, yeah, even that, not too easy to, to quit. I think I used the, the Nicorette uh, mints way longer than they actually suggest on the packaging. And to be honest, I don't know if many can actually quit in that recommended time that they say. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You're exactly right. I think that quitting journey is really hard to understand how difficult and challenging and painful it can be to go through unless you've done it yourself. And so I'd love to hear a little bit about what was your kind of deciding factors when you were like, okay, I'm actually done now. I'm quitting cigarettes and then I'm quitting vaping and then quitting the Nicorette mints. Kind of what was your, what were your motivations that helped you to actually make those decisions? Um, you know what? Just like looking at my life, I realized I was looking and trying to think of how often during the day do I think of nicotine and actually spend during my day, like either vaping and before that it was smoking. And I was like, holy man, there's actually like a considerable amount of time that I occupy my thoughts with uh, nicotine. And, you know, I did the math. It's like, oh, this many hours, this many minutes in a year. And then I was like, okay, in 10 years, this is how much time I'd spent on um, thinking about like tobacco or uh, vaping and nicotine. And it was like, it's kind of scary to think about. And I can't remember the amount of hours, but it's like significant amount of time, which is like, what else could I be spending my time with instead of this? And it just like, at that point I was kind of like, I was really motivated and almost like angry that I let this happen to myself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's such a unique way to frame it to think about not just the time that you're spending when you're consuming the products, but how it's interfering and dominating your mind and your thoughts throughout the day. Because I think that's another part of the addiction to nicotine 
that's really invisible to most people, but it's that mental part and the mental drain that it puts onto people. Yeah, and it's uh, the other thing I learned too is that when I quit, I would have cravings at the certain at certain times of the day or when I did certain things. So often I would um, smoke and vape after I ate. So that was the time when I stopped that I would get intense cravings. And I like I didn't notice all these cravings until I stopped because I would be like sitting at the computer and then all of a sudden I'd get a craving. And then looking back, I'd be like, oh, that's when I would actually go outside and vape or smoke. And yeah, that just like hit the, <laughs> hit the nail on the head there for me. It really just shows how when you have an addiction that you're struggling with, often your day is, you know, really planned around fitting that in. And so how that changes so much when you move away from it and you're maybe having a bit more freedom in your time and your schedule's more open and it really highlights those gaps that were once being filled with that product. Yeah, definitely. And then like even like thinking in the future, if you wanted to do something, that would definitely be a thought in someone who uses nicotine's head is that, well, when will I be able to have a, like a smoke break? Um, like that's definitely, um, you get in a routine of you can do it at certain times, but then when you get a lifestyle change, it's, it's difficult in that sense too, so. So another area I would love to touch on with you that we didn't get to yet is the fact that while you were going to college, you were actually an athlete at the college. And so I'd love to hear a little bit about what your experiences were using nicotine products while being an elite level athlete at a college and how that just kind of impacted your sports and your you know intense physical routine you would have had. Yeah. Um... Like we definitely, like we practice every day, hit the gym every day. And it was like often four or five hours a day that we were exercising. And that was, I guess I did notice that during the time too, that I was vaping. I would vape before practice. And then by the end of the practice, I couldn't even focus and I need to get home and have a vape. But also another thing I did notice was my like lung capacity. I wouldn't have enough breath <laughs> or not as long. Um, and that definitely was a big impact on how I played. Well, and it's clear if you were working out for so long every day, I'm sure you were in such great physical shape that, you know, it makes sense that the only cause for you to not being able to breathe properly and effectively would be due to those products that you were using. Yeah. And a couple times I, I stopped vaping and I like found out quickly that was what it was. But then I started again because <laughs> I would get, get bored or something. There would be a little period just for a week and then I would get back on the, the vaping train. <laughs> and so now that you've stopped using nicotine products completely for a sustained period of time, can you share with us what changes you've experienced, what your life looks like now, any benefits you know that you found since you've been able to stop using them? Yeah, so like I mentioned there before is that you, during those certain times of the day, you have cravings. And now my, I guess, the fluctuations in my anxiety that come with those cravings and not getting them, 
uh, obviously a lot less. Um, so day to day, my anxiety is lower. And then even like depressive thoughts, that's also uh, a lot lower. But um, the one thing that was harder to deal with is that when you quit using nicotine, your metabolism slows down a little bit. So um, I did have some weight gain and that's almost one of the like the lingering, I don't know if it's shame or self-hate that someone can have when they quit is like, well, I'm gaining weight and then it almost is a reason to start smoking again. But I'm glad I stopped and I'm hitting the gym and losing that weight. <laughs> Yeah, that's such a real fear that you're mentioning. Oftentimes, people who are using nicotine products, they do mention that it's because of the, the perceived weight control that they get from it. And so I think something interesting that could even be at play here as well is you mentioned when you were normally smoking or you know consuming nicotine, once you stopped, you started experiencing other cravings during those times, right? So you were kind of filling those voids of when you would have been consuming nicotine, maybe with snacking or something like that. So do you have any advice for other people who are trying to quit? Something that, you know, they can hold on to and that might help them get through this process. Yeah, definitely. One, don't be hard on yourself. You're going to have those cravings. And if you think in your head, like, what's worse, a cupcake or another cigarette? Because um, once you start, once you have that one cigarette, it's like a slippery soap. So just like be easy with yourself and let yourself have those snacks when you have a craving because they eventually go away. But um, exercise is a big one. Um, if you can continue exercising, you get the right chemicals going in your brain that uh, reduce those cravings as well make sure if you know how to ground yourself it's really important because um, a lot of times when I was getting cravings and stuff you almost like you get really in your head so if you can ground yourself it brings you more in the moment and you realize that it's just a craving <laughs> it's not necessary and it kind of snaps you out of that um, addictive thought process Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Julian. This was such a wonderful conversation. And I really hope that other people who are out there and are listening to your story might be able to find some parts that they can relate to and that might be able to help them through their journey as well. And I think our biggest takeaway right now is to be kind to yourself. So thank you all for listening and we'll catch you in the next episode. Well, thanks for having me.